Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea and let's get cosmic. Welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, episode 14. Today we are going to cover all things eclipse season. This episode is coming out a little later than normal. I'm used to releasing on moon days, and I think by the time this is published, it will actually be Tuesday or Wednesday. But I wanted to get it out ahead of the opening of the Eclipse portal. So before we get into that, I want to do some housekeeping. Thank you, Autumn, for becoming a paying supporter of Cosmic Conceptions. If you too would like to support the show, you can tap the link in the show notes to subscribe to the Substack where this podcast is hosted. And through your subscription, you will gain access to all of the podcast bonus material of which I produce something for you for pretty much every episode as well as monthly Ask Me Anythings and of course my very real, very raw Cosmic Conception Diaries in which I take you through my own personal journey to my own cosmic conception. So if that's interesting to you, please tap the link. I'm hoping that we will have enough uh, members in that sector of our community to be able to host a live group Zoom call before the end of the year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing all of your faces there. And of course, when that happens, I will let you know. So if you want to jump into your subscription plan before that call and meet everybody, you can certainly do that. So let's talk about eclipses. I feel like there's always a lot of energy around eclipse events and eclipse season, whether you are introduced to it through the more mainstream, astronomical, go outside and look at an eclipse type of uh, way, or if you more so are familiar with eclipse season through the realm of astrology. And I personally never really felt very super clear about (laughs) eclipses. What are they exactly? Are they a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Uh, For those of you who have worked with me in some capacity are probably familiar with my, you know, stamp on your uh, transit report saying, you know, don't, not recommended to conceive during eclipse season. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just get into exactly what eclipses are and how we can orient ourselves to their energy. And we're going to talk about this from a more generalized standpoint, but then we're also going to discuss how it could potentially interfere with a fertility journey, what they mean during birth. Uh, And then we're going to talk more specifically about this upcoming eclipse portal that is happening in the month of October 2023. I think it's really important to explore this together because it's going to have a lot to do with our relationships, not necessarily romantic partnerships, more so relationships in general. But if you are on a an intense preconception journey, 
then it's possible that these upcoming eclipses could shake things up for you in in that realm. So let's start from the beginning. Okay, what is an eclipse? So basically, the sun has an orbital path that let's say is in the shape of a circle or an oval, whatever they have decided the shape is these days. I feel like it's always changing. So (laughs) the sun has a an orbit that it makes a circular orbit that it makes around the earth or above the earth, however you want to relate to your reality. And the moon has its own orbital path as well. But they are slightly tilted um, in relation to one one another, such that these orbital paths, they cross paths at a certain point. So imagine you have a disc that's on the table in front of you if you're in front of a table, whatever. You have a disc that's on a table and then you have another disc that's hovering just above that plane, right? Now tilt the top disc so that it overlaps with the plane on the table. So now there, uh, you, now you can see with these two overlapping circular planes that there are going to be two cross points where the orbits meet one another. I hope that visual makes sense. It kind of makes sense in my head. So basically you have two orbiting paths and they're at an angle such that they pass, they cross through one another. So those points where the orbiting paths meet are actually the lunar nodes. So if you are familiar with your chart, you know that you have nodal points in the chart. You have a north node and you have a south node. Now, these nodes have a lot to do with our karmic paths. They show us where we have come from and where we are going in this lifetime. And they can reveal a lot even about past lives, of course, and the sort of structures that we are supposed to be growing into in in order to complete our soul's evolution in this lifetime. In medical astrology, the nodes often indicate where a lot of energy is coming into the chart through the north node and exiting out of the chart through the south node. So this can um, become a challenge, particularly if those nodes are conjunct other planets in your chart. And now for, for nodal conjunctions, we're looking at a closer orb, like... I, I am comfortable looking at a three-degree orb personally. I think some astrologers might use a wider orb. Typically, the further away the planet is from that exact conjunction, the less involved its energies are going to be in that experience. For a rule of thumb, let's just say that we're all using a three-degree orb when we're looking at these nodes, right? Okay, so for again, for from an evolutionary standpoint, the south node is sort of where you've been. It's your karma. It's your previous life. The north node is your dharma. It's where you're going. Okay, we can have a whole podcast episode just about that. <laughs> but then in medical astrology, we're looking at the south node being the portal through which energy is potentially being sucked out of the chart. If it's closely conjunct a planet, that planet's energies could be weakened. The north node is where energy is coming into the chart. And if that nodal point is closely conjunct a planet, that planet's energy can be sort of blown out of proportion. 
So now that we understand the symbolic significance of the lunar nodes, we can go back and apply that to how and why the eclipse events tend to shake things up so radically in our individual life paths. Okay, so go back to when we were talking about the circular orbiting paths of the sun and the moon and how at two different points those paths cross which is the you know the point of the lunar nodes those nodes are where the eclipse events happen okay so at new moons the new moon is typically you know we understand that the new moon is when the moon is conjunct the sun and therefore she goes dark right because the light her light source is coming from behind her Uh, at a solar eclipse event the moon and the sun become either partially or fully there's different kinds of eclipses um, aligned with one another and so when you think of eclipse visual an eclipse visually most of us are going to think about that black orb surrounded by the ring of fire produced by the sun. Okay, so theoretically this is the sun and then the moon in between the sun and the earth. There's a direct alignment from where we are looking up at the sky and then the new moon right in front of us and then the sun behind it. So when there is a perfect alignment, usually this generates a you know, visible eclipse event and you can actually go out and look at it and see that whole ring of fire thing. Um, Of course, apparently you're not supposed to do this with just your, you know, um, bare eyes, which I don't know why. I think it's a whole looking at the sun directly thing. (laughs) It's probably not a good idea. Unless you are a very very advanced sun gazer and then maybe this is nothing new to you staring at eclipses. Uh, But yeah, so the solar eclipse, that visual of the black shadowed moon surrounded by the ring of fire, the sun directly aligned behind it. That's usually what we think about when we think of eclipses. And although that is technically called a solar eclipse, it occurs during a new moon when the moon is dark. Okay. And again, this is occurring around that nodal point. And then on the other side of that rotation during that month, we're going to have the full moon event on the other node, which is going to produce a lunar eclipse. And this is when the moon is directly on the opposite side of the earth as the sun, and you can see the shadow of the earth uh, cloaking the new or the full moon in darkness. So this is also a notable event, right? Because we are supposed to be witnessing a full moon experience. And instead, because of the lunar eclipse, you're actually seeing the full moon go dark. So if you think about either of these events in which the new moon uh, has this ring of fire around it and then the full moon goes dark, we can kind of start to understand why there is a lot of mysticism and lore, especially coming from different indigenous uh, ancestors who witnessed these events and perhaps didn't fully understand what was happening. Okay, so let's just review really quick. So 
I make sure we're all on the same page, right? So the sun has an orbital path around the earth. The moon has its own orbital path around the earth. At some point, these paths cross. These circles, these circular paths intersect one another, creating two points on either side of those circles, those planes in which the paths meet. These are called the lunar nodes. The lunar nodes are where the eclipses occur. A solar eclipse occurs during a new moon event in which the moon is near to perfectly aligned to the sun behind it. A lunar eclipse occurs at the full moon event where the sun, earth, and moon are in perfect alignment such that the shadow of the earth is cast upon the full moon, okay? And the north node in our chart, um, in so the north node and the south node in the chart have their own symbolic representations, both through an evolutionary lens and also through a medical lens. So through the medical lens, the north node is where energy is amplified and coming into the chart, whereas the south node is where the energy is being drawn out of the chart. Any planets that are closely conjunct, those nodes within three degrees, you may find that their energies are are either drained or amplified depending on which node they are conjunct. Evolutionary speaking, the south node represents our previous lives, our karma, where we've been. Uh, the planets in conjunction to those nodal points have entirely unique meaning, meanings related to that aspect of our evolution. And then the north node is where our dharma is where we are going in our lives and the tools that we are designed to be using in order to achieve that growth. Okay. So when we take all of this into consideration, we start to contemplate, well, are they a quote unquote good thing or are they a quote unquote bad thing? Now, of course, if you know me, you know I don't really believe in the polarization of good and bad in terms of how we try to categorize events in our life, right? In many ways, nothing is good or bad. It just is. And of course, it all is for the purpose of our unique evolution, an evolution in which everybody is on their own timeline, learning their own lessons for, right? So when we're thinking about, okay, well, is eclipse season a good or bad thing? It, sometimes I think people, per, they, they perceive it as a bad thing just because they do provide really seismic shifts in our life. And sometimes those shifts are not always the easiest to hold, whether you're being rocked and bottomed out um, or whether you are sort of receiving a lot, right? Like even receiving a lot can be hard for a lot of us to hold. I think a lot of people are in a place of 
wanting more, but not actually knowing how to hold and receive more. Okay, I have certainly been on that journey. And I am on that journey. And I know a lot of other people are as well. So again, like we're kind of dismantling what is good or bad, you know, it's like, thinking about how, oh, it would be so great if I won a million dollars. But then you hear about how 99% of people who win millions of dollars out of nowhere end up losing it all and going bankrupt and destroying all the relationships within like five years, (laughs) right? So is, you know, what is the event a good or a bad thing? Okay, well, it depends on how you receive and navigate it, right? And and again, everything that occurs is for you, whether or not you decide that you want to label it as being a good or a bad thing. It just is. And it is for you to navigate for your own expansion and betterment. That being said, of course, depending on the themes of the eclipses, the events that might occur in your life, the kind of cosmic interferences that might show up along your path, like these all may be quite challenging. It's it's like the Saturn return, right? Like if you are really far from, if you have really strayed far from the path that your soul authentically wants to be on, and then you hit your Saturn return, big shit is going to happen, right? Like shit that is going to rock you into a radically new direction. And it might feel like a bad thing when you're going through it, but it's actually an extremely benevolent thing because the universe is really just trying to help you reconnect with where it is that you're supposed to be and who it is that you authentically are craving to be. Okay, so there's lots of different ways in which we can approach how we are experiencing what we are experiencing in our life. So all in all, I encourage you to approach all astrological events as being there for you and to know that some of them are going to maybe be more painful or dicier than others. And of course, all of this is dependent on what's going on in your unique chart. Okay. Um, But that, you know, in the end, the best way perhaps to approach astrological events is to understand the energetics of that event so that you can prepare for what may happen and also utilize those energies to your advantage. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the bonus episode that's going to accompany uh, this episode. We're going to talk more about the eclipse season through the houses. So we're going to explore what the eclipse could potentially mean for you, depending on where it's going to be hitting your chart. So if that's interesting to you, um, and if you're not already supporting the podcast, just tap the subscribe button in the notes to upgrades that you can get access to that bonus episode, as well as all the previous bonus material for this podcast. Let's really briefly cover how these eclipses can interfere or simply impact a fertility journey. So it is traditionally taught in medical astrology that one should not attempt to conceive a pregnancy during the active portal of the eclipse season. So the portal or the the, se- the complete season, meaning about 48 hours or two days before the first eclipse and up to 48 hours and two days after the last eclipse. So this is going to pretty much total about 
two weeks and four days, right? Because we're two days ahead of the first eclipse and then the next eclipse happens two weeks later and then you have a two-day buffer after that. So the entire eclipse portal is lasting a little bit over two weeks. And it is taught, like I said, not to attempt a conception during this window. So we might ask ourselves, well, why is that? And to be honest with you, I don't fully have any scientific evidence to explain why this may be um, the recommendation. I have some theories that are similar to why any of the other astrological events impact us in the ways that they impact us. I do find that eclipse energy is very uh, powerful uh, and even even impacts the ionization of our atmosphere during those events. Uh, And they are dancing with these lunar nodes within our own charts. And so some really powerful stuff can come up during these windows, these energetic windows. For some reason, my brain, whenever I think of eclipses and conception, I keep hearing the word chromosomes. (laughs) And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because um, I have this intuitive feeling that the eclipses might interfere in some way with the health of our genetics or our Um, the sperm and egg uh, meeting one another or something like this on a more like very micro level. So I'm not, and I'm not in any way saying that if you conceive an eclipse pregnancy that your child is going to be genetically formed or anything like that at all. Um, But this is just where my sort of hunch is, is taking me, that there is a lot of energy around these eclipses and that they do impact us in very subtle ways. And because there is a lot of mythology and lore and, of course, felt real human experiences around these events, that it is generally just considered to be on the safe side, not to attempt a conception during this window. Now, of course, like we said earlier, the energy that these eclipses are going to bring into the space are going to vary dramatically based off of what the entire chart for that eclipse looks like. And it's also going to vary depending on where it's hitting you in your unique chart. So depending on your relationship with the celestial bodies, depending on your knowledge of your chart, um, depending on how you historically navigate eclipse seasons, you might tell me that eclipse season is like the most abundant, harmonious, badass (laughs) time of year for you and you love working with these eclipse energies and that you don't believe in all of the superstition and you are absolutely going to conceive your baby underneath an insane like total solar eclipse. Okay, great. (laughs) Like absolutely fine. I'm not here to give anybody medical advice. You all know the drill. I think that you should tune into what is true for you and your energetics. Uh, of course, I'm always going to tell you to to err on on that 
that side of things. Um, so then the other question is, how would this affect potentially a pregnancy? So there's another note about that as well in regards to traditional fertility astrology. So it is noted that during your pregnancy, it is best to avoid a term in which you experience a south node eclipse within three degrees, remember that three degree orb we talked about, of your natal moon placement, Jupiter placement, or your fifth house ruler. Okay, so understanding what your, who your fifth house ruler is requires you to have a little bit uh, more knowledge about which zodiac signs are ruled by which planets. So let's say you had Mars in your fifth house. That means that your fifth house ruler would be, oh, sorry. <laughs> let's say you had Aries in your fifth, fifth house, and that means that your fifth house planetary ruler would be Mars because Mars um, is ruled by Aries uh, or vice versa. I always get it confused. They rule each other. <laughs> so um, this is some, also something to take into consideration, I suppose, if you are planning a pregnancy. I do briefly check for this transit when I am doing the transit reports. And I mean, it's, it's a much trickier one to come across because again, it, it would have to be such a very closely conjunct alignment that the likelihood of this occurring during your pregnancy is probably not quite high at all. Uh, I certainly haven't found it to be true for anyone yet, although it would be difficult to plan that because I would have to know during which month um, you would conceive, which of course I can't predict. So that's another note about the eclipses, that you don't want that eclipse to occur within three degrees of your natal moon, Jupiter, or fifth house ruler. Uh, and again, I'm not aware of what the medical consequ consequences would be of that eclipse. It could potentially be an early birth. It could potentially be a complication of some kind. Uh, there are differences as well in how susceptible we each are individually to transits, uh, depending on what your rising sign is and some other things going on in your chart. So I'm not sharing any of this to strike fear into your hearts. If you're already pregnant, for example, and this eclipse season is coming up, like don't go, just don't, don't, don't look for it. <laughs> <laughs> just let it go, you know, set up your energetic boundaries, drink your red raspberry leaf infusions. It's all good. Um, yeah, just protect yourself energetically, right? So that is what we have going on. These are the teachings for conception and for pregnancy. So what about Birth. As you know, if you've been listening for a few weeks with me, we had a guest on the podcast, uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago, Raya shared with us her unexpected pregnancy story and her cosmic free birth under a lunar eclipse, which she actually witnessed herself outside her home just before giving birth. So um, and we talk a little bit about her, you know, lunar um, mythology, or I guess, yeah, lore coming from her lineage in Iran. So clearly, she did not have some kind of disastrous, um, you know, emergent 
birth experience because she looked at a lunar eclipse, right? So I, and I've never really heard actually in terms of even traditional astrological teachings that the eclipses necessarily interfere with birth in a quote unquote negative way. But I do, I would be willing to believe that the eclipses are a really potent portal for birth to commence, right? Because we are all very aware of the increase in births under full moon phenomenons. Uh, That phenomenon is very present, especially for anybody who has worked in the birth space or worked with birthing women for a hot second. We are all aware of the full moon birth phenomenon. So these lunar energies are very potent. Um, Don't forget the moon rules the womb space, right? So depending on uh, what's going on with the aspects in the chart and the lunar phases and the full moon, new moon polarity. And then now you have these eclipses on top of that. Uh, Yeah, I would be willing to say that the eclipse portals are very potent for triggering the onset of labor, which of course isn't a good or bad thing. It just is. You have to give birth sometime. (laughs) I promise you that baby will come out. Um, So we're especially going to be looking at the full moons, uh, the full moon lunar eclipses would potentially be a more potent uh, trigger for the onset of labor, right? Because even though that lunar eclipse is go is occurring and that full moon is going dark, right? It is still technically a full moon placement. So that uh, eclipse in particular is probably going to be more potent to triggering birth than a solar eclipse. So let's get into some of the details of this upcoming eclipse season. Again, this episode is airing in October 2023. So these dates are going to be specific to that portal. So the season is going to open. The energies are going to start coming in, like I said, about 48 hours before the first event. So that is going to be October 12th, which is actually in a couple days. So eclipse season is going to begin October 12th, 2023. You can mark your calendars for that. That's when we're going to start feeling this stuff. And then on October 14th, 2023, the new moon solar eclipse is going to occur in Libra. And we'll talk a little bit about what I see in the chart and how it's going to impact partnership uh, when I get through these dates. So then two weeks from then on October 28th, 2023, we're going to have a full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus. Now remember, the nodes are exactly opposite one another in the chart, right? So the nodes right now are taking us through Libra and Aries axis, axis themes, but the full moon is not occurring um, exactly on the node in Aries. And so the moon itself is actually going to be in Taurus. That's why the new moon on the 14th is in Libra and the full moon on the 28th is in Taurus, not in Aries where you might think it should be. 
And then two days after that, on October 30th, 2023, the portal is going to close and the energies are going to start to dissipate. So like I said, if you are planning your conception in alignment with cosmic energies and you feel some type of way about eclipse season, just uh, skip these two weeks, right? So just put it in your calendar from October 12th to October 30th, uh, the womb party is closed. <laughs> the doors are closed. She's going to take a rest. You're going to do some energetic uh, protection and uh, nourishment for yourself during that time and maybe even work on some of these other uh, partnership related themes that we're going to talk about here. And of course, um, if your fertile window, hormonal or lunar, is going to occur in early October before the 12th, well, th- that that window already passed. So yeah, so just wait. <laughs> just wait uh, until uh, Sawen, actually, until Sawen, and then the the veil will be lifted. No pun intended. So let's look at our first lunar event here. Okay, so I'm looking at the chart here, and maybe I will put a copy of this in the bonus material as well so you can get a visual here but i'm looking at the new moon solar eclipse on october 14th 2023 here in eastern time it's going to occur at 1 55 p.m but of course you'll have to adjust for your time zone so like i said the nodes are between libra and aries so these nodes are going to be activating i mean the nodes are going to be there for about 18 months right so Throughout the entire 18-month period, these themes are going to be really relevant during all the lunar events and in the chart in general. But of course, they are going to be massively amplified during eclipse season because these events are going to be occurring around the nodes. So we have the south node in Libra and the north node in Aries. So what does that mean to us, right? So we're looking at the South Node in Libra. We're looking at the kind of shadow aspects of Libra, right? These are the 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 qualities that we actually might not, that they might not be what we need from the Libra archetype. Like I said, they are shadow aspects, okay? So we're trying to leave those aspects behind in favor for the conscious aspects of the Aries archetype. So think about Libra kind of being when, you know, he's not in his most whole (laughs) integral self. Libra is going to be dealing with uh, people pleasing type of qualities, the I'm going to sacrifice myself to make other people happy type of qualities, the oh, I'm going to um, say whatever I think is going to be agreeable in a conversation type qualities, the I am going to compromise my needs because it just feels easier type qualities. Okay, these are the aspects of Libra that we want to shed and leave behind during this period in favor of the more integral aspects of the Aries archetype, which who, you know, Aries is very sure of who he is. He understands what 
his needs are. He knows where he needs to go and he's willing to go there, even if it makes him look strange or like a black sheep or a loner, right? Aries is really going to take you to where you need to be. And he's certainly not going to compromise. So this eclipse season is really going to highlight a lot of matters that dance along this polarity axis. And the new moon um, event in particular is occurring just three degrees, exactly three degrees away from the south node, right? So again, this is going to bring up uh, a lot of karmically related um relationship dynamics that are here for the purpose of you outgrowing them, right? Okay, these people aren't in your life to punish you. Um, They're not here because, you know, you're just destined to be unable to break out of your codependency, uh, right? They're, They're here specifically so that you have an opportunity to evolve out of them and into those Aries qualities, Okay, so think about it that way. I want you to approach that. If you enter into this eclipse season and you have, you know, dynamics showing up that are making you feel like you need, you know, it's like you're, they're reaching their crescendo. It's the last straw type of thing. Maybe relationships from their, your past are coming in that you really just need to commit to going no, no contact with and let go of completely. Stuff like that, you know, be prepared for stuff like that to surface and understand that they're here to provide opportunities for you to grow out of them. And this is going to especially be relevant to you if these relationships you know, we're here to talk about conception and fertility, these relationships might be showing you what exactly it is you need to expand into the archetype of the mother. Okay, a lot of women know this when they cross that threshold from maidenhood to motherhood, that things change in a in a very big way in terms of how you approach your boundaries, the values that you want to uphold in your family life, how you relate to your friends, how you relate to extended family members, and you really have to start reevaluating what you are willing and are not willing to tolerate and compromise on in your life. So as we approach these eclipses, If you are here because you're preconception and you're trying to connect to your spirit babies, this is an incredible opportunity for you to show them that you are actually willing to do what it takes to hold space for them. Okay, to maintain safety in your household for them, especially if these eclipses bring forward things like, um, you know, relationships in your extended family that are overstepping boundaries that you feel uncomfortable about, or maybe you're allowing too much of your energy to get siphoned into friendships, uh, social circles that are not really aligned with where you claim you want to be going in your life, right? So this is going to be a really great opportunity to start connecting with some of these actions that are going to exhibit where it is that you want to be going in your future. 
Something else of note, just so that you can prepare for it, is that this moon is also going to be squaring Pluto as well as resting in opposition to Chiron. Right, So Chiron is known as the wounded healer. His placement in your natal chart typically represents a really tender spot, right? It's the Achilles heel of our psyche. It's kind of the wound that we come into this life to feel through to completion uh, and sort of hopefully alchemize into teachings about what that grief means for us. So this um, particular point in the eclipse portal may be a particularly tender uh, moment. It may be painful. Uh, Again, there's that Pluto square and Pluto also has a lot to do with our karmic past. So this may be even feel upsetting on an inexplicably deeper level, right? Because this may have uh, to do with themes from even a previous life, not even just this life alone. So just keep that in mind so that you can prepare and be tender with yourself and also be prepared to navigate whatever comes up for you in a way that feels in integrity to your values, right? Your Aries, North Node Aries values, not your South Node shadow Libra people pleasing bullshit values. Like it's time, it's done. We're done with that now. <laughs> okay, this is your opportunity. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna leave that event behind and we are going to go into the full moon lunar eclipse, which is going to happen on October 28th, uh, looks like about 4.25 p.m. Eastern time. Please adjust for your unique time zone. Uh, This end of the eclipse polarity feels a little bit more hopeful to me. (laughs) We have the new moon, Um, or sorry, no, it's a full moon. The full moon is in going to be opposite the sun in the sign of Taurus. And she's also going to be pretty closely conjunct. um, Yeah, by six degrees, she's going to be conjunct Jupiter. Uh, And Jupiter and Taurus, everybody loves Jupiter and Taurus. We've all been talking about Jupiter and Taurus. (laughs) Taurus is all about our material possessions and our assets and our worth. Um, And Taurus is also ruled by Venus, which is another beautiful, angelic princess coming through to the rescue. And then we have Jupiter uh, during this full moon, closely conjunct the moon in the sign of Taurus. So we have a lot of really beautiful energies that are working with this full moon. And of course, the full moon is sort of where all of the lessons we learned in the new moon are going to come to a head and ultimately be released. So if the, the that first lunar ecl- or solar eclipse, that new moon, if that feels ends up feeling as challenging for you as it kind of looks like it might be in the chart, you definitely have this full moon to look forward to, right? And like I said, if you play your cards right and you really use the opportunities that arise during that new moon to your 
advantage, right? Using them as lessons for your betterment and opportunities for your growth. And then you really settle in to planting seeds around how you're going to carry those lessons forward. You can expect for those teachings to kind of come into the light during this full moon lunar eclipse, especially with uh, this Jupiter conjunction in Taurus. And there's also uh, an interesting sextile happening between the moon and Saturn actually during this lunar event as well. And so Saturn is going to kind of, you know, when we're in um, a harmonious aspect to Saturn, it's really a great opportunity to use all of Saturn's uh, sort of helpful right? Helpful energies, not not the shadow side of Saturn that everyone loves to talk about because it makes him seem big, bad, and scary. But the, the qualities about Saturn that we actually <laughs> really want in our lives, right? Like we kind of, we kind of want to have strong boundaries and we want to um, be really clear about our path forward and our values and our rituals and, um, our habits and all of this kind of stuff. So this is also going to be a great moon to utilize those Saturnian energies because he is pretty closely within five degrees sextile the moon. Um, It's going to be an opportunity to kind of take everything that you learned during the previous potential shit show uh, at the new moon solar eclipse and kind of finally come into alignment with really solidifying how you want to move forward, right? Especially when events, um, when really cosmic events rock us, right, into the, the direction that it is that we need to be facing. We need to give ourselves a chance to catch our breath, right? Some of these events are highly unexpected. They're deeply emotional. They can be very painful. And, you know, just because we know that they're for us doesn't make them any less challenging, okay? So I don't want to make it seem like there's no time for you to, um, you know, sit in front of the TV binge watching Harry Potter movies with a box of tissues. Not that I have been doing that. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) with these cosmic events, right? It's like, okay, yes, great. Thank you for showing me where I need to go. I'm going to take a minute to lick my wounds, to gather myself, to allow all of the feelings to run through my body. And then with clarity, I'm going to be decisive on my plan of action. So this full moon is going to be a great chance for you to do that. In fact, if eclipse season feels a little bit tricky for you, or if something really big does happen around that new moon, I want you to just go ahead and surrender into a two-week period of sort of hibernation and internal alchemy, okay? And give yourself permission to do that and really simmer in whatever it is that you need to feel or think about in response to those events so that you can then arrive at this full moon with clarity, with sincerity, with the willingness to make those Saturnian commitments to having a better experience, a learned experience from the previous two weeks, okay? And this might also be a great opportunity for you to come into abundance, right? Because we have a lot of Taurus energy happening in this moon. And so it's not just about... um, 
you know, it's not just about relationships necessarily with this one. Like there, you might also find that you are rewarded for aligning with your authentic values through other means, right? If anything, you'll be feeling that self-worth quality of the Taurus archetype. Um, if you navigate things for your own betterment, right? So this is all, this is all a choice, right? This is all, we have a lot of control over how we choose to respond to these events, how we want to alchemize the lessons that they provide and how willing we are to allow them to show us what is the correct path forward on our own unique evolution. Oh, and I almost forgot to talk about this just as a little PS, um, the, you know, Libra themes around relationships and this whole Libra Aries access axis um, doesn't necessarily need to equate to romantic partnerships. It has to do with interpersonal relationships of any kind. But if these events, depending on where they hit in your chart, depending on how they show up in your life, depending on what your soul's evolution is needing, if they do highlight issues within your partnership, I really encourage you to lean into it. I feel like sometimes when we're on a preconception path, we sort of are in a space of idolizing the arrival of a baby to such a degree that the partnership, the quality of the partnership that's supposed to be calling in that soul can suffer, okay? And this is not the time to be making compromises about that. I know you really want a baby. We get it, right? Like, I totally get it. And also, if there are major problems within your relationship, you don't want that to be coming to a head when you're like three months postpartum and drowning, okay? Then a baby isn't going to be so much fun anymore. So please do not let your relationship suffer. Please do not sweep anything under the rug. It might be really scary to feel like if something is going wrong in your partnership or the partnership may not actually even be right for you altogether, let alone require like some additional months of therapy before you continue trying to have a baby again. Um, just I know that's scary, but don't let it intimidate you away from doing that work. Okay. Please do not sweep that into the shadows. This is really important stuff. Okay. Your health and the health of your new family's dynamic is really going to rely heavily on how strong your foundation is within your partnership. And I wouldn't be saying that if things were the way that they were when our ancestresses were raising their babies. Okay. But the reality is, is that it's not like that anymore. And you probably don't have the village that you require to raise a child, even if you do have an incredible fucking partnership. Okay, so that means that our health within our intimate romantic partnerships is even more important than they were for our ancestors. Even more so, like phenomenally more so. Okay, so again, if this eclipse season is bringing up stuff between you and your partner, 
even while you're in preconception, even while you're trying to have a baby, especially while in preconception and trying to have a baby, please do not shy away from that. I really encourage you to take a look, do the hard work, be vulnerable, cry, get into fights, whatever needs to happen in order for everything to come into the light so that you guys can alchemize it in the way that is appropriate for your unique dynamic. Okay, because when you're in partnership and you're calling in another soul, your combined karmic experiences are involved in that process. Okay, so I believe in you. You can do it. That's all I wanted to say about that. If you're interested in seeing um, where these eclipses might be hitting in your unique natal chart, you can join us on the bonus in the bonus material. Um, I was planning on recording another episode. Um, I was planning on recording that audio um, when I first started recording this episode, but now I'm just realizing that I talked for almost an hour. So maybe I will just type up a little um, chart for you to (laughs) use to reference your natal chart um, so that you can have a little guide to this season coming up. Okay. That's enough for today. That's all for this week. I love you. Um, Talk to you next time.